0: The Week in Doubt, episode 281. Hey everyone, I'm Phil Albertelli, the host of The Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever. I don't think we have any shoutouts to take care of this week, so we might as well jump right into the news. And this first story is one of those ones where I can hear that voice in the back of my head saying, Wait, Phil, maybe you shouldn't cover this one. There might be some backlash. And you know me, then I usually just plow ahead anyway. It's a follow-up to that whole Lawrence Krauss situation where a number of women came forward and accused him of sexual misconduct. And if I remember correctly, we weren't talking about Harvey Weinstein-level sexual assault or anything, uh, but still a boorish behavior... Um inappropriate comments, uh, maybe some inappropriate touching. I can't remember all the stories. And this is a really serious subject, and I want to make sure I'm not uh, accusing someone of things they haven't already been uh, accused of. So I'm just quickly looking at Wikipedia, where they kind of encapsulate the uh, allegations. And it says in a February 2018 article whose allegations range from offensive comments to groping and non-consensual sexual advances, and that's in quotes, BuzzFeed reported a variety of sexual misconduct claims against Krauss. Krauss responded that the article was quote-unquote slanderous and quote-unquote factually incorrect. I guess, in fairness, the Kraus Arizona State University stated that it had received no complaints related to Kraus from students, faculty, or staff during his decades as a professor there. But they said they would begin their own internal investigation. Uh, it says Krauss resigned from the position of chair of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists Board of Sponsors to avoid "quote unquote." Distracting from the ability of the Bulletin to effectively carry out its work, Arizona State eventually placed him on paid leave to, in quotes, avoid further disruption to the normal course of business as the university continues to gather facts about the allegations. Then Krauss was quoted in the New York Times as saying he apologized, and this is in quotes, to anyone he made feel intimidated or uncomfortable, but stressed that BuzzFeed, the BuzzFeed article, quote-unquote, ignored counter-evidence, distorted the facts, and made absurd claims about me. Okay, and you can probably tell by the way I approached it last time that I pretty much was trying to comment as little as possible on this whole story. I just want to kind of mention it in passing and then move on. I figured because Krauss is such a big name in the quote-unquote atheist or skeptic community that um, it, it merited some mention, you know. But because we were dealing with allegations, I didn't want to act irresponsibly or jump the gun and covering these stories where you know for the moment there's nothing but allegations it it can always be a little tough or tricky i definitely feel self-conscious covering these type of stories because on the one hand i want to make sure that i'm not being insensitive or dismissive regarding the alleged victims and on the other hand since once again all we have to go on for the moment are allegations I want to make sure I'm not unfairly dogpiling on someone who's yet to be proven guilty. So I had planned on just dropping the story for a while until maybe there were further developments. And I guess in a way there were. There's this old school YouTube atheist by the name of Christina Rad. And I call her quote-unquote old school, but she still looks really young. But I guess then again, it's not uncommon for people to start on YouTube when they're really young. Not that that matters one way or another. And she's been kind of missing in action for maybe uh, the better part of a year or so. She hasn't been uploading much content to YouTube. And all of a sudden, bam, I get this notification that Christina Rad uh, you know, just published a video. And it has to do with Lawrence Krauss. And if you're not familiar with Christina Rad, um, yeah, she's she's funny. She has a really kind of colorful, quirky personality, uh, thick Eastern European accent, but at the same time, uh, a very kind of cool, laid-back, grounded approach to things. And in the video, she does accuse Lawrence Krauss of being inappropriate with her, actually of inappropriately touching her, what she says to her personally, and she seemed a little self-conscious saying or admitting this for fear that she might catch some backlash, she said that it wasn't a big deal to her. But yes, he had been inappropriate with her. And apparently the reason why she came forward was that she was kind of offended or put off by the way Krause dismissed or denied all these allegations against him. So I'm going to play a little clip from her video. And I think, in its entirety, the original video was about 24 minutes long, but uh, here we go.
1: First of all, doing this video will do me no favors. If you think I'm doing it for the views and the money, I'm currently not partnered with YouTube or anybody else. I will literally get zero money from the views of this video. The only money I will get are from Patreon, and it's the same amount no matter what video I post. I could be talking about the weather, okay? I did not have to make a video about this. And if you think I'm doing it for attention, I haven't made a video since, I don't know, it's been like a year. Throughout my history on YouTube of I think over 10 years, I was never the one to get in the middle of drama. I was never the one to make a video on every hot piece of news or every viral thing there was. That was never me. This is not the kind of attention I personally enjoy at all. In fact, right now I'm kind of having anxiety talking about this just because yeah, I'm freaking scared of the backlash. I am not looking forward to it. And I did think about posting this anonymously, but people seem to be so freaking skeptical of anonymous sources I decided to put my face in this, but it was against my better judgment. But the main reason I didn't want to talk about this wasn't because of the backlash, actually. It was simply because what Lawrence Krauss did to me just wasn't a big deal. And I understand that this may upset some people, okay? but. Look, nobody can tell me how I should feel about something that's happening to me, right? And to me, it just wasn't a big deal. It wasn't back then and it wasn't since. I don't think I spent more than five minutes of my life dwelling on it. Well, except now. But, yeah, when the BuzzFeed article came out, I was like, yeah, I'm not going near it. I'm not gonna touch that one. And this may be because I actually was, I was sexually assaulted. It was many, many years ago, I'm not gonna talk about it now, but for me it's hard. What I'm trying to say is that it's difficult for me to put what happened to me back then and what Krauss did in the same category of sexual assault, sexual harassment. I understand there's a scale, but I'm, I, I just can't do it, so I'm just gonna call this inappropriate touching. So if I so didn't want to do it, then why am I cringing so hard talking about it now? Well, because I just saw that Lawrence Krauss finally answered the allegations. And there is so much, so much bullshit in his response, I, I just cannot cope. I mean, he's either flat out lying, or in the best case scenario, he's severely, severely misinterpreting And misremembering things. And I know this because I know A, one of the anonymous women who accused him, but more on that later. um, Let me just say what happens to me. In September 2011 I was attending a skeptic conference in Zurich called Denkfest. I was there as a panelist, Lawrence Krauss was there as one of the speakers. Now before this I had previously met Lawrence Krauss only once. It was two months before during the amazing meeting in Las Vegas and I actually got to talk to him very briefly then, I told him I'm a huge admirer, how much I respect his work, which, by the way, I still admire and respect his work very much. And um, he asked me where I'm from, it was a very brief, like I said, but very pleasant conversation, he was really nice, nothing bad happened. Now, skip two months ahead to September in Zurich, and this was in between the conference days. It was either a reception or a dinner or a cocktail party, something like that, with all of the speakers and panelists and conference-goers. So I'm at this event, at some point I find myself waiting in line at the bar to get a drink. In front of me there's one other person, a conference-goer, and, you know, I was looking around and I see behind me there's freaking Loris Krauss. And he sees me looking at him, he smiles at me, so then I turn around and I say Oh, how nice to see you again, I don't know if you remember me, but we met at TAM. Mind you, I say this with a big smile on my face, because, guess what, I was happy, because I was talking to Loris Krauss. But, I did not touch him, I did not hug him, I did not shake his hand, there was no kind of physical contact from me towards him, okay? Okay. So I tell him, yeah, we met at TAM, whatever, and what does he do? Right there in front of people waiting in line to get drinks. He reaches down, grabs the bottom of my mini dress, which by the way was short, and tells me, yeah, I think you were wearing the same dress at temp too, right? And while he's saying this to me, the back of his hand is literally on my thigh, on my upper thigh, okay, like this. And then he also turns his hand around and does one of these. I don't think I'm showing this right. Hold on.
0: And for the audio-only audience out there, this next part I find strangely amusing for some reason. Uh, It's kind of awkwardly cute. She tries to use the slits in her own ripped jeans to uh, awkwardly demonstrate how Lawrence Krauss touched her.
1: So just pretend that this piece of jeans here is actually the bottom of my dress, and it was just about this short. So he grabs the bottom of it, the back of his palm is, Oh, damn it, this is so freaking cringe and awkward. Okay, the back of his palm is on my thigh, touching my thigh, like glued to it, okay? Tells me that he saw me in this dress before and then turns his hand around and runs it across my leg like this. Now, my immediate reaction to this was... I was just shocked. So my reaction wasn't as strong as it should have been maybe, I just flinched away and kind of laughed nervously But in my head, obviously, I was like, dude, how about don't touch me? Also about that dress comment, I mean freaking rude! Yeah, I'm from Romania, I'm poor, I have one good black dress, I wear it at all events, do you gotta point that out? And yes, I know he didn't say it like that, he didn't say it maliciously, I guess it was his awkward way of flirting or something, but just think a little tiny bit before you speak. But more important than that, how about don't touch me? And look, before you type this, I know I should have said something then and there, okay? I know this. I was just so blindsided in the moment, you have no idea. I mean, it was Lawrence Krauss. And believe it or not, this has actually never happened to me before or since. I mean, it has, but not in this kind of environment, not at this event, in all these years of attending these conferences. I mean, sure, people may come up to you and hit on you, that's true. And I know everybody has their threshold about that, but personally, I'm actually very relaxed about it. You can come at me with whatever cheesy line you want, you can talk to me in whatever rude way you want, you can proposition me in whatever kinky shit crosses your mind. I won't care, I will just politely decline, but I would not get offended, no way. But bitch, don't freaking touch me! I did not say anything to him afterwards either. And see with me, it wasn't even because I was afraid of consequences. It wasn't like that for me. It was just... You guys don't understand? This is a stranger to me. This is a man I've seen literally twice in my life face to face. We've spoken together for an accumulative amount of two minutes maybe. And this is a man I very much respect and admire and look up to. This is Lawrence Krause, never in a million years what I thought that this is the kind of man who would reach down and touch a complete stranger in that way. Maybe it was naive of me, I don't know, but in that moment my mind was blown. Alright, oh, I forgot, as I was rushing to grab my drink and go, he was like, oh by the way, we are in that corner over there if you wanna join us later, and I'm like, yeah, sure, no, I will be in that corner over there, what the fucking.
0: And pardon my French, but <laughs> when I first watched that, I thought she said, I'll be over in the corner with the fucking. But I think she's, she's saying, I'll be over in the corner, what the fucking, as in still trying to wrap her mind around what just happened to her. <laughs> Wonder if The Week in Doubt still has a clean tag on iTunes. <laughs> it's, at some point, I'm going to have to do something about that. And before I forget, I, I can't remember if it was on the regular show or if I mentioned it while recording bonus content but i mentioned aiu recently i know i mentioned him in the most recent episode of the not so secret show that series that's meant for patreon supporters only but once again uh, aiu short for atheism is unstoppable he's this controversial uh atheist obviously youtuber and not long ago i don't, I don't know if it was uh, a couple weeks back or when it was exactly he did a response video to all these allegations against Kraus in which he defends him. And I think the title might have been something like Lawrence Krauss is absolutely innocent or something along those lines. And then after Christina Rad released her video, AIU published a follow-up and he actually said that he believes Christina Rad. And I guess he and I have that in common. I don't see any reason not to believe her. And I think uh, A.I.U.'s take on it was something like Lawrence Krauss is a socially awkward nerd who's kind of, you know, drunk on his own relatively recent fame and doesn't know how to properly interact with the opposite sex. And there very well might be some truth to that. I've always said that he reminds me of the uh, professor from The Simpsons. Hey, ladies. I think that character is based on uh, Jerry Lewis, at least in part, uh, but I think it should go without saying that no matter what his perspective or mindset is, it obviously doesn't excuse his behavior. And it is really weird behavior. Like I'm trying to, you know, when I think back to my old clubbing days back in my 20s or whatever, I don't think no matter how hammered I ever got, I didn't just walk up to some woman or girl, you know, and put my hand up her skirt. And I know, not to get graphic, that wasn't like he stuck his hand up her skirt and tried to, you know, touch her her genitals or something. But in a way, it's... it's kind of just as or almost more creepy the way she describes him intentionally touching her thigh with the back of his hand and leaving it there then turning his hand around and like caressing her thigh real uh, yeah it's kind of creepy well not kinda and not to kick a guy while he's down but i think i i went into this on the show not long ago too but just honestly, just my take on Lawrence Krauss, I did appreciate his whole universe from nothing contribution to the whole kind of uh, atheist versus theist dialogue. But other than that, you know, I, when I heard this, th- these allegations about him, let's say you know, the lion's share of them do pan out to be true or whatever, or are true in theory. I don't feel like I lost a hero. Or something like that. Um, I remember when I first really got into watching atheist debates on YouTube, there'd be Dawkins or Hitchens. I'd get all excited to see them debate someone. And of course, also Harris. And then, uh, you know, hey, if I can't find a Hitchens debate I haven't already watched, I guess I can watch Krauss debate someone. And I did always find him kind of smug. And I did find his debating style to be kind of dismissive. And I don't say that in the sense that I'm trying to be, you know, protective of a theist, but I think that you're not doing yourself or your cause any favors. If you come off like a smug dismissive jerk, the best way to comport yourself during the course of a debate is to break down your opponent's arguments Logically, instead of just kind of waving your hand at them, you know? And he usually sounded the most dismissive when he was talking about religion. And uh, I always got the feeling that he really didn't know much about religion. Not saying that a scientist has to, but if you're going to be debating theists, it'd be good if you had some grasp on the history of religion on uh, religious literature or text, etc., which I think Hitchens certainly did. And even Dawkins catches a lot of crap from people. People say, you know, he, he doesn't really know that much about religion or he has a very shallow understanding of religion. I think that Dawkins is a very eloquent and erudite speaker who... I think does have at least, at least a decent layman's knowledge, if not more, of religion. Um, but Krauss just always came off as very dismissive, like he couldn't be bothered. He always seemed to like the Parrot Hitchens uh, broads-age fairy tale line. But uh, almost 20 minutes in, I'm still talking about this. I'll see if I can quickly run through one or two more news stories. Oh, one more thing on Lawrence Krauss I almost forgot. I keep forgetting to mention this. The, the one thing that, where I feel like I do owe him something, I feel like a jerk for uh, criticizing him. Back around the time, I think, when I first started the podcast, or I, I wasn't that far into it. Um, I used to upload little Bill Maher clips up to my YouTube channel. And one time I got a retweet from Lawrence Krauss And as I mentioned to uh, my friend, fellow podcaster, C-Web, I don't think he was doing it out of the goodness of his heart. I think he was doing it because the clip in question, you know, he appeared in it. (laughs) I think he was talking to Bill Maher about Eben Alexander, that neurosurgeon who claimed to have had a near-death experience. Um, But still, you know, it's it's a big deal when um, this big-name person retweet something of yours. So that's always in the back of my head when I'm criticizing Krauss. But hey, you know. Okay, so I recently posted a couple of articles that really grabbed my attention to the Weekend Out Facebook page. And I always feel kind of torn when I do that. On the one hand, I just want to quickly share these stories with you guys because I find them so entertaining or interesting. But at the same time, I feel like maybe I should be saving them for the show. But anyway, so um, here's one from Right Wing Watch. It's entitled Mike Shoesmith. I believe Stephen Hawking was kept alive by demonic forces. On his radio program last week, Donald Trump-loving pastor, conspiracy theorist, and birther Carl Gallops interviewed Mike Shoesmith, the executive editor of PNN News, who claimed that famed physicist Stephen Hawking was able to live for decades with ALS because he was being kept alive by demons. Shoesmith, who normally appears on Gallup's program to complain about women, (laughs) insisted that it was no coincidence that Hawking died just weeks after Billy Graham passed away, explaining that Graham's ministry, quote-unquote, really kicked off in 1942, which prompted the devil to use Hawking, who was born in 1942, to counter Graham's preaching. Then I'll skip down a bit. Stephen Hawking, this is in quotes again, Stephen Hawking comes from a long line of atheists, his father and all these people. So I believe the devil said, Okay, this guy was just born and I'm going to use this guy. This guy's already primed to accept my message that there is no God. He is already primed for it. He's going to be awash, immersed in atheism all his years as a child. I'm going to take over this guy's life. I believe Stephen Hawking was kept alive by demonic forces, Shoesmith said. I believe that it was the demonic realm that kept this man alive as a virtual vegetable his entire life, just so he could spread the just so he could spread this message that there is no God. Shoesmith went on to assert that if Hawking had simply reached out to God, Jesus would have cast the demons out of him, and he would have been completely and miraculously healed. Oh yeah, because that just happens all the time. <laughs> And I'm thinking to myself, if people knew that was a reliable treatment for you know being a vegetable or quadriplegic or a uh, neurodegenerative disease or whatever, don't you think that they'd do it? And I'm not saying that people would feign conviction, but if you knew you could be miraculously cured, that you could restore your broken body by accepting some deity, some heavenly power into your life wouldn't you do it wouldn't you be like hell yeah love you jesus fix me you know but no we never see people who are quadriplegic or whose bodies are completely broken just you know pop up out of their wheelchairs because they uh committed themselves to christ or whatever once in a while you might have a faith healer maybe through the power of suggestion or some bullshit thing uh get someone to kind of rise out of their wheelchair And then after, you know, the person goes back to being all messed up again. And I'm sure even in those cases, it ain't someone with advanced ALS like Hawking or someone who's quadriplegic or whatever. Okay, so I'm feeling kind of tired. I was almost going to call it quits, but I guess I I can't resist. I'll try to quickly do this last story. It's from Fox News. It's by Anthony DiStefano. And it's entitled, Today's Atheists Are Bullies and They Are Doing Their Best to Intimidate the Rest of Us into Silence. Editor's Note, adapted from the book Inside the Atheist Mind, unmasking the religion of those who say there is no God. There's no polite way to say it. Atheists today are the most arrogant, ignorant, and dangerous people on Earth. <laughs> the most dangerous people on Earth. They're worse than the fucking... <laughs> radical Islamists who literally saw your fucking head off with a big serrated knife or or plow into you with a truck. We've all seen how these pompous prigs get offended by the slightest bit of religious imagery in public and mortified if even a whisper of Merry Christmas escapes the lips of some well-meaning but naive department store clerk during the holidays, quote-unquote holiday season. How many times do I have to say this? I love Christmas, love celebrating Christmas. I like it when people say Merry Christmas to me, I say Merry Christmas back to them. Hell, I think even Dawkins has been photographed proudly standing next to his Christmas tree before. We might not believe that Jesus literally rose from the dead, we might think, you know, Christmas is this whole pagan smorgasbord or whatever of traditions, but... We still like celebrating it. It's a fun time of year, an excuse to come together with friends and family, exchange gifts, uh, all that stuff. And In fairness, I'm just speaking for non-believers that share my mindset, and I think there's many of us out there like that. Yeah, there are some atheists who get their panties in a bunch over nativity displays or over... Um, the phrase Merry Christmas or whatever, but they certainly don't speak for all of us. And once again, it absolutely makes my jaw drop that he would describe or characterize, mischaracterize atheists as the most dangerous people out there, or some of the most dangerous people out there. Really, like I said, in a world where there's jihadis, in a world where parents let their kids die of treatable medical conditions because they think God prefers that they pray for help, where children with the misfortune of being born to crazed superstitious parents die during the course of so-called exorcisms, etc. Come on, give me a break. Hey, DiStefano, fuck you.